What is good, Divine Pill family? Listen, a part of me, I think I'm going to be doing more reactions to posts and stuff. Um, some are high vibrational and some of them are like this. I think that um, I'm going to title this in real life. No one's going to tell you this to your face. Um, but I wanted it to be that petty oracle that's really going to read you and tell you why some of these scenarios happen and help you to kind of just rethink, you know, how you view these types of things. And, and I also, the 5D part of it is I'm not here to judge. I think that what's going to happen is this is going to give you a moment of clarity, right? You're either going to put this stone in the black area or this stone in the white area. Um, but at the end of the day, you're going to double down on why you have certain beliefs. So let's get into it. You already see the thumbnail. So the thumbnail, it says, a person with nothing will help you faster than a person with everything. And it's funny because... If you've been following me, you already know which side of the spectrum I'm coming at you from. I'm not going to be fast to help you with everything. And even more so, you know, the more wealth I acquire, no, no, I'm not going to just help you with any and everything. I'm going to take my time and I'm going to be decisive and I might not even help you at all. But here's what you need to understand and how I need to help you um, kind of reconsider. There's two areas I hope I remember. First of all, why are you asking someone with nothing to help you? Do you really want help from someone who has nothing to help you? And then the second thing is, you know, if you're the person who's asking for help, there's a reason that the person who has everything is not um, helping as quick as you would like, right? So those are the two things I'm trying to put it in my mind. I probably should have put it into my notebook, into my notepad so I can reference it. But um, I'm in the middle of drinking some tea and I have honey on my hands, so not the best. <laughs> scenario. I think I'm going to trust the process and allow it to come down to uh, come down what needs to. So first of all, for those of you who notice that people with nothing help you, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit petty and be like, why would you want somebody who has nothing to help you? Okay. Why would you want someone who isn't going to value or they can't even help themselves. Why would you want that? Part of the thing, I'm going to talk about the, the, the first thing that came to mind with this was um, I did pay them. Um, they actually have a quote unquote moving company, but I under, when, when, when you hear the rest of the story, you're going to understand why they were, they were, why they were the way that they were with my furniture. <clears throat> I later found out that they had a store um, where they deal with refurbished goods. And if, you know, you're moving and you, and you don't want everything, they will take it and they will clean it up and and wash it or whatnot. And then uh, remark, you know, put it on the market. So you could, that's that type of store where you go in and you can buy gently used or, re, you know, used furniture or toys or just about anything. 
So me trying to be a, you know, black on black business supporter, um, I knew that they, um, had a moving company and, um, in, in, I think they helped me move three times, but this, that, when I tell you that was the third and final time, um, I have nice things and, um, it's funny how, like I said, I, I gave them, it was up until that point, three choices, but this is a perfect example of, you know, the first time, you know, I had nice things, but I, uh, by the time that they helped me the third time around, I had upgraded all of my furniture. And so at that point, you, now you're talking about how a person with everything is not going to be as quick to help or to book you or to tap into that energy. <clears throat> I noticed how they moved my furniture the first time, um, type of a thing. And they, I'm going to say they're not that wealthy or that type of thing. Um, a lot of it could be with how maybe they think that because they can treat other people's furniture that way, or people who discard their items that way. And, and I'm not holding it against them, but at the same time, you have to understand who you're dealing with and why they do certain things. And so, yes, I have psychoanalyzed the hell out of this situation, but, um, in retrospect is that, you know, like I said, I learned that, that they had a, a, a secondhand store and that would explain why they're just picking up stuff. You're throwing it away. You don't want it anyways. And I'm just going to take, put it in, toss it and throw it in there. Doesn't matter if it gets dinged or, or whatever, cause we'll, we'll smooth it out or somebody's going to want it, or we're going to wipe it down or wash it. <clears throat> type of a thing. So I was, you know, not t- too terribly happy with the first time around, but, and I remember like, it's just crazy, but I'm, part of it was, this is a black owned business. I need to support them. Let me not be too critical. They're doing the best they can. Right. Second time around, um, I was more, um, assertive and I was like, you know, uh, make sure to be on side and let them know, well, these ones are delicate. This is whatever, you know, and kind of just hovering type of a thing. But by the third time, it was one of those things where I didn't even give them the feedback. I will never book them again, but <clears throat> it really broke my heart. New furniture, I'm single. So when I bought the stuff, like they don't have any dings or dents or anything in them, really nice furniture, bedroom furniture, living room furniture. Um, and um, not to be a brat, but they were expensive. So, and, um, long story short, the last move, like my headboard. And so this one, I'm just going to have to buy a whole other headboard. I have it in the guest room, but it's like brand new headboard. Okay. And I remember the last time that I was, uh, we were moving, I made sure that I had blankets and stuff to help, you know, smooth over. And I even told them, I said, you know, because they winged it, right? So we're talking about people who have nothing, but also um, when you're talking about have nothing, the energy is they don't value things. They don't have, they can't help themselves. So, and they don't understand what it takes for someone who has everything to get there. So um, he's, he winged it for my appointment. Now, mind you, I've always tipped him well. The two other prior times I've tipped him well. 
as an indicator that I'm a good upstanding client type of thing, make sure they had water, make sure they had snacks, make sure, you know, all of that hospitable in the whole process. And so, um, when they came in, I already, you know, I told them I'll need to make sure this is new furniture. Uh, please, because I, Oh, ooh, this is bringing back some stuff. But um, I had already seen a scratch on one of the, the dressers. Um, it's like the night on one of the nightstands, and um, brand new, like for no reason, right? So this time I said, you know, I have blankets, and this is to separate the stuff. And he told me, you know, oh, I just didn't get the chance to book the U-Haul. Um, or whatever, so, or the moving truck, so I'm just going to use this cart, and I'm like, no, I don't want the furniture to get messed up, so that was a whole ordeal, but in the process of unpacking, imagine getting home, and in the back of the headboard, a huge chunk, you know, just taken out of the furniture, and it bothers me, and that's why it's coming up now, right, but it's like the energy that when I talk about people who don't appreciate things, they can't help themselves out of certain situations. Why would you want to help them? Because why would you want help from them? Because in many instances, it's going to be, if anything, put you in their situation where you have nothing, right? Why would you want to ask for help from that person? What I'm even trying to illustrate with that story is, you know, I needed furniture movers. I needed the help right? I needed the, the hands-on and they were happy to do it. And um, the next person that I want to, to hire, um, they had helped my parents with some stuff. And when I tell you, he's going to be expensive, but when I tell you, I will gladly pay everything. And he's not black, but when I tell you, oh, y'all, this guy um, shows up, he takes inventory of everything. He gets the boxes for each room. He labels each of the boxes. Um, when I tell you he had blankets upon blankets upon blankets, he had blankets for like three houses. He's like, I make sure to pack, package everything as if I wasn't already kind of bougie. So when I tell you I'm in love, I'm in love. He had like this saran wrap right? Because up until that point, I had seen people use like rope or they'll just put the blanket and kind of hope it stays there. Mm -mm, no, mm -mm. He, it was like a blue saran wrap. So like when um, they had like even a rocking chair, they wrapped the whole chair with a blanket. Yes, with a blanket. It was a thick material blanket. It's high grade blanket, like attention to detail, caliber, precision, um, valuing the things that you have, right? And they wrapped it and his co-workers were just as delicate with the stuff. I mean, they had to move glass and like delicate, like China type of stuff. It was when I tell you. And so the rocking, like even with just the, like the rocking chair, they put the blanket and then they wrapped it with this like saran wrap, like tight wrapped. Right. And um, very precise with the stuff like that's what I'm looking for <laughs> what's that song from um but anything I want done that's what I'm looking for who sings that song um it's a song where the girl she's rapping and talking oh yeah, yeah yeah what's her name the brat um it's a song with the brat I'll probably 
put a little clip at the end. No, I won't. It'll be too corny. If you get it, you get it. But why would you want somebody who has nothing to help you? Like, it's just going to put you in those situations. Now, let's switch gears. The person who is not, who has everything is not as quick to help you. I can tell you someone who's ascending, right? And would have kind of felt some kind of way like, dang, people are not trying to help me. You have to help yourself. You have to, you know, I've been talking about it and it can be a little bit, kind of kind of come across kind of messed up but um I've been telling people but it's not even just me like don't miss the whole message just because I'm the the vessel for the message because like I said if you read other other books like um Evie Well of Abundance you guys have with me you, you keep hearing me refer to the book it's like I think you can get it for six dollars but that one is a life changer. I have it right here by my by my bedstead. That one and Science of Getting Rich, it talks about paying attention to where you put your money. And the days of giving money to beggars, you do not give money to beggars because they're asking for something for nothing in return. And you know that the odds are or believe that the odds are that they're either going to use it on liquor or bear. And they haven't put in the work to groom themselves, to shower, to present. We all have obstacles, right? Um, and you have to get to, and I know this is rough, this, but the coddling days, the coddling days are over. Um, and so you're just able to stand there. I will say that there's even degrees. Like to me, when I was starting to ascend and grow and understand these principles, I'm more likely to pay you for flowers if you're standing on the corner and I see you hustling and I don't, you know, I love flowers. I don't need the flowers, but if I see a young person like working hard, I'll, I'll pay for the flowers, right? Because I'm getting something in exchange for it and you're putting in the work and you have to package it. The sadness, the part is my, one of my best friends, um, she told me, she said, you know, that they, they mule these people, that they, um, a lot of them, they kind of just like lock them up at night and they're expected to sell a certain quota of flowers. So it, it's kind of hard, but you kind of want to reward them because they are giving something in exchange. I will buy oranges off a, off a corner if you're, if you show up and you wash those oranges and you put your nightstand up and I'm getting fruit or vegetables or oranges in exchange for the currency. That to me is being charitable. And so then at that point, if you see there's a need, then you can tip them an extra hundred dollars. What an extra hundred dollars? Yes. They put in the effort to, you know, and we're, I'm starting to learn about who has licenses and not, but to get the permit and to get up and get the nightstand there and be out there putting in the work. They pick the oranges and they, they are putting in energy to get it done as opposed to somebody who's just going to stand there with their hand out and do nothing that's irresponsible to me right um and so the the person who has everything also understands that you need to to kind of show your worth i know um and so then that's how we get into these conversations of you help people who are helping themselves and part of the reason that they're not so quick to jump um, I was going to be kind of explicit there, but 
part of the reason they're not trying to run so quick to help you is because they're taking inventory to see is it worth me helping this person are they going to value you know just because i have a million dollars doesn't mean that i don't i'm not going to see the value of what it took for me to get $20 right and i'm not just going to toss my pearls to the swine like i'll want to make sure that you know one of the one of my favorite ways to 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 suggest to give back is even um any waitress any anybody who does service stuff for you if they're doing your nails manicure pedicure hair um the waitress that does your food the person who washes your car right when you go to the, the car wash where they detail and vacuum in do all of that stuff to your car that's who you tip because they're showing that they're putting in labor for the work right you reward good work and so another favorite one too is like if you <clears throat> putting money towards scholarships like i'm not telling you don't help people i'm telling you the type of quality person to help right a high vibrational way to help help young people I talked about how the congressional staffers at the Capitol Hill, we have young black men and women who are understaffed. And so if you really want to make a difference, what would it mean for us to sponsor a black congressional staffer and make sure that their, you know, wardrobe is paid for, that their rent is paid for, that their car insurance is paid for, that they are able to, um, have a fund to take care of any of the other things that they need to to make sure that they can defend or honor for the black community right they're putting in the work they're showing up right you know that when you put your money towards that that you're putting money to their peace of mind so that they can defend your honor and it's towards the collective and it's toward progress and it's towards movement put money towards scholarships right? If you kind of feel like, oh, I'm not sure. Put money to, there's, oh, I love this process so much because um, you can, maybe even if you didn't even go to school, but um, there are scholarships where you can call a local college or university near you and find out, you know, how, I would like to contribute a hundred dollars towards a um black lawyer or towards a, you know, towards the black student association where they host events for them and and they have networking opportunities for them or i would like to put my a hundred dollars towards a um a scholarship for a young person who's going into public relation public relationships or public speaking and you will eventually get to the point where um because i used to be on a scholarship committee so I'm kind of giving you just a peek onto things that I saw on the back end. And it's such a beautiful process. But one of the things I have on my um, bucket list is putting a scholarship for um, young black men and women at this point that um, I would want them to write in an essay um, talking about the importance of reparations and uh, you get the chance if you're the donor to read the reparation, read the, the essays, and you can either give the whole award, like let's say I decided to give $5,000, and I look forward to increasing it. I look forward to 
getting to the point where every person who um, submits an essay for that scholarship talking about the importance of reparations and redlining, because redlining is more my baby. I think reparations is something I'm not going to see in my lifetime, but I would love to champion the efforts and I'm looking to where I can plug in. Financially, I'm not putting my boots on the ground for anything, but um, financially. And so my thing would also be like um, maybe my former school of business where I graduated from. I got my master's there. And so reaching back to the students in that community and saying, listen, there's a, a, a thousand or a five thousand or ten thousand dollar scholarship. What I need you to do is to write a essay talking about how you would tackle redlining. And I will continue to pay the scholarship for the four years that you're here if you intern at a bank and and apply the Lean Six Sigma um, model to tackling the issues of redlining within, you know, Citibank and Chase and Wells Fargo and Bank of America. You see what I'm saying? Like your money has to count for something. And and the person who has everything, it's, you know, sometimes we like to think that, oh, it's they're stingy. And so what? What if they are stingy? They worked hard for it. And I think that part of my role here too is I already see, I know what it's like to have lived an affluent lifestyle. And, um, I know what it felt like to start to get the jealousy and some of the comments from even from what would be, you know, like people who felt close enough to, to close enough to me to say stuff, you know, that were kind of like um, jabbing at me. But I know that that was um, preparation for where I'm going. And so I know how to handle myself in those situations. And it means that when I go out to, you know, breakfast, um, champagne breakfast with some of the girlfriends, I might wear the lo- the Rolex, but not maybe not the best time to pair it with the Bentley and the Hermes bag, you know, but, and so probably will wear the Rolex, but still have a, a nice dress I got from Marshalls or something. I'm not really Marshalls girl. Sorry. <laughs> that hurt to say that. Oh my God. I know I'm such a bitch, but you know, still like a dress that maybe it's not going to have the designer name splashed on it or something, but <clears throat> Or a scarf that's like clearly prod, you know, like I don't wear um, Prada or Burberry because there are issues with, um, I don't like that they had stuff for blackface, but it, it's the idea that if you wear a Burberry, you can see that it's kind of like stunted in your face, like, oh, that's a Burberry scarf. Like, that's not the time to do that. But when I get, you know, part of it is looking forward to, I used to say, no new friends. I'm going to need new friends that can run with me. And so she's wearing her, you know, Valentino and I'm wearing my Hermes. And it's like, yes, girl, yes. Like, let's go. Let's go shopping for more clothes, you know, or that type of thing. Um, But with that being said, you know, I worked hard for that stuff. I really technically should have been retired, not because of my age, but because when I tell you I put in the work um, to get to a point where uh, I was supposed to, I had put uh, I had put a hundred thousand into an investment, and uh, I have a lot of disdain for thieves, more so. Which is funny because I just did a podcast about forgiveness, and after I did that one, I'm like, that's one person I'm not forgiving. I really hope he rests in piss right next to Stefan Clark. Um, I am Scorpio when I promise you that my stinger, 
Um, I'm going to sting TF out of him in some way. I know it's low vibrational. I will hold that L, but um, I, I'm just, and this is the thing, like, woo, you guys, purple couch, virtual, virtual purple couch. When I tell you divine source has already addressed it and because of what happened there, I'm going to go from making, uh, you know, losing a hundred thousand to making that per week. Right. So it go, I'm not there yet. So don't even come for me. And I know it's something I'm working towards. Right. And I kind of feel like I had to go through some of those things to get me to where, you know, the route I was on, I was supposed to get like four duplexes. And then from the income from those get another four. And so in two years have eight and so on and, and that type of thing. And so, but this person took off with my money. It was a black person. He was Haitian and was supposed to be from the church. And so, yes, so when you hear me talk about different things about the church too, I really see how y'all get down and I, I don't like it. <laughs> so, um, but, but, and so, but with that, I had other funds. And so I got the nice car and I got the nice clothes and I got the designer stuff and um, I would be out with my friends. And so there's, you know, some of them that would be like, oh, you're trying to stunt, you're trying to whatever. And there was also a time when I was paying for everybody's meals. We would go to these five-star restaurants and I'm paying for everybody's meals and I would be getting those tabs. And, but then I started to realize that a little bit of it was, um, now you're just starting to hang out with me for, um, for, for what I make, you know, and, um, but with it is what I really want to get down to is I did get the comments where it's just kind of like the expectation that I'm supposed to just now give you my money because I have it. And and so, but that, that person was starting to, to like really come for me and I'm like, nah, sis, like we fell out, we fell out. <laughs> and all of the other girls had to do like a kumbaya girls trip type of thing. Like, well, what would have really happened was girls trip all the way around, like, but I'm like, no, don't come for me like that. Like, I, I spend the money with you because I love the companionship. And I'm very much the type of person that if I have nice things, I want you to be there with me. When you talk about prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, I want my friends at my table with me and let the enemies hate, but don't bring hater and enemy energy to my table. Cause then now I'm really going to have to like throw the, the, the wine in your face. Like, nah, we don't want you here. Just no. <laughs> yeah. I went there, but I hope that that kind of gives you some insight. I think that you need to reassess. Why are you asking people for help? Um, if anything, ask the person that has everything for help, but when you ask them for help, now you're understanding that you're doing it in a high vibrational way. You're doing it in a way that you are showing that there's something in return, that there's going to be a return on the investment, that it's going to have value, that it's going to be appreciated, right? And so that could mean that in asking for help, you're asking for mentorship and guidance and people who have gotten to the place where they have everything, they're kind of tuned into that message because one of the things when you listen to the book, um, The Power of Influence by Robert Maxwell, a lot of, of wealthy people get to the point where they can um, influence people. But the last step, whether, whether it's the fifth or the seventh step, the last step is to show other people how to do what you do. Very few people, and he says this in the book, actually reach that level. 
Um, but you might spark that within them. And it can be that language of, hey, I noticed that you are able to provide yourself with these streams of income. You know, what would it take for you to mentor me? I'm willing to do something in exchange for you to, to mentor me once a, once a week. I'm willing to pay for your lunch you know, and once a week for the next six months or something. So you can show me different parts or mentor me like those types of things, you know, now we're talking about reciprocation and making sure that there's a return on an investment and that they're not just throwing their money to anything. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, it is more likely that someone who has everything is going to appreciate that type of dynamic of you asking for help, it's more likely because, you you know, you're going to have some people that are not 100% there yet or may not um, see it that way. But I want to say that it's more of a majority, like people who have cultivated their wealth. And and there's um, some of the, the words that I'm saying are intended for every purpose. There's some, there's something different about somebody inheriting money. Like my niece probably wouldn't be able to have that conversation with you in the same way, but I have cultivated my wealth, right? So you kind of pay attention to who you're asking for help from and, and that type of thing too. I can tell you somebody who's inherited wealth is not going to give you just money like that. Um, and neither is the person who has cultivated it. Right. Um, But just something to think about. I feel like I really just kind of told you. And I, I, I don't really can't say I have these in-depth conversations with my friends. I'm learning to. I'm kind of testing the waters a little bit. But I don't want to be that bitchy friend. I would much rather, you know, go to, to breakfast with them and have fun <laughs> and that type of thing. But, um, but yeah, this is what's really going on below the surface that no one's going to tell you to your face. I wouldn't tell you to your face either unless you paid me for an oracle and then I'll really read you, right? So it has been my pleasure. Until the next podcast, peace. Ooh-wee. Okay, so I do reflect on my messages to make sure I got all the points across. One of the things I, I um remembering that I didn't hit the nail on the head and I'm learning to not pigeon walk so much and not make non-sequitur statements as much. Um, I was talking about how this person um, that took my money got taken care of um, because I was talking about my stinger and, you know, a part of me still sometimes wants to just sit in the cut and I think the statute for uh, limitations for a lawyer to get, you know, a civil judgment against them is, is... if it hasn't run out, it's, it's running out of time, but, um, uh, let's just say if the opportunity presents itself (laughs) and I'm actively looking for the opportunity to present itself, but here is how divine source helped me. And, and for those of you like karma is real. Okay. You cannot put energy out there and not expect to get it back. I will end it by saying this. Um, Both he and his wife got a $1.1 million judgment against um, him and her. And the funny thing is, I think that, so that's a $2.2 million between the both of them. And it had to do with some of the things that I, I, I filed a claim with the, the National Association of Real Estate Agents or whatever. 
Um, and so basically what they do is they, they will represent for the association to make sure that the realtor is acting according to code. And so they won on that end. But unfortunately, I didn't have all of my coins together to get a lawyer of my own. Um, and that's unfortunate. I think, you know, it just is what it is. But the whatever funds I had, I was using it towards where I was staying it versus, you know, if and, and part of it is they had, I don't want to go spend the whole podcast on this, but they had dragged the process out over several years. And so with that, I was depleting for my backup account. Um, um, but knowing what I know now, right, and that's why it's so important when you even talk about these simple, they sound so simple, but they can save you years and thousands, right, and peace of mind. If I had seen the obstacle and turned it into an opportunity or, or seized the moment sooner, I would have had the money for the lawyer much sooner in the game. But I, it took, this was uh, several years. But at the end of the day, um, it was because of the things that I, I reported that um, they got dinged. And it wasn't just him. The wife got dinged too. They pulled all the, they pulled their papers. And so karmically the debt you could say is more than more than paid because when you talk about gratitude which is also I think so undermined you know um last Thursday we talked about gratitude and if you're with me in the in the series as I'm reading through the book um the science of getting rich by Dr. Wallace Waddles it could be easy for you to just be like oh I'll just skip over this chapter oh, I'll just kind of like not really paying attention and listening. But there's a reason that he, Dr. Waddles, lays out this formula in the order that he does. And I even said it in the uh, episode description. If you're going to skip over this chapter, don't even bother, you know, going with us on the journey to what it means for you to take action. Just don't even do it because you're not going to even, this is about the science of getting rich. You're (laughs) going to fumble the bag. It's like trying to make cake without eggs and oil. (laughs) Like, just don't even do it. Gratitude is very much uh, undermined, um, valuable part of the process. And so with me practicing gratitude, it's kind of like, man, that sucks. But I promise you, and the story sounds great now, but it's going to be even more amazing. And I look forward to what that means and how it has shaped um, how I've made some moves. But it meant going from losing 100000 to getting set up to make that every week, right? And not just me, but my family. And I think that, you know, sometimes I... I I, ooh, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Maybe I might do this as a part two. Because I wasn't planning, but but I'm being led to just kind of share too. We talk a lot about manifestation, right? And I was that girl that when I had my house, um, I had my three bedroom, two bath, huge backyard. My front lawn was my pride and joy. Um... My Furby, I just loved everything about home ownership. Um, as a new person, I still remember what it was like to sign the paperwork 
um, when I, you know, I heard the birds singing and that's how I knew I was home because when I was at my parents' house, my room, they had um, trees in the backyard and I would hear the birds every morning when I would wake up. And I just, those are the things money cannot buy. I remember signing the papers, but I was that girl that, okay, this might be a little bit TMI as if I'm not already spilling my guts. That's why I kind of feel like the last two were very much virtual, um, me on the purple pillowcase type of a pillow purple couch type of conversations but i hope you're getting the messages to help you on your journey i was that girl that um in my bathroom um on the back of the door i had a um it was part of like an extension of my vision board But I had a picture of the type of um, place that I wanted to live in. At the time, it was a condo, but I've decided I don't want to live in a condo. I want to be in a more of a house setting, like how my, and uh, it's because after what happened in in, um, Florida with those condos collapsing, um, I was more leaning towards that type of a setting. But um, I live in California. We just had an earthquake like last night. And actually, fun story. Oh, I can't. No, no, no. You're doing too much. But my dad was in a really bad earthquake too. He barely escaped with his life. Barely. Like, this is the things that we talk about. Like, he um, was running out of the building, ran back inside to get his shoes. And right when he came out, the building collapsed. Like, I could go on and on and on. Like, literally, like, he just talks about, like, he set foot out and the whole thing just like, yeah. So, let's just say I have scrapped the, the, but the condo style that comes to mind is very much like ceiling you know, floor to ceiling windows, um, penthouse style overlooking the city, very much about the views and seeing for miles around you, open, bright, clean spaces, um, minimalistic hardwood floors. That's the, the imagery that I was taking in. And, um, yeah, so it's on the back of the door. So when you're like on the potty, like, you know, the door would be closed and you could see that and below it was a Bentley, right? And I had so much fun with the process because part of the manifestation process is, and and you should be deliberate. Like, I hope you're getting all of the gems. It's, I'm not just telling you a story. There's gems to be caught in even the process of manifestation. But in the process of, of picking the picture, you know, black on black, it has to be all black everything, okay? I know it's not the same color as my skin, but I'm black and I'm proud. Right. So it was a black Bentley with black interior seats and the black rims. And this is before I found out about the speed. They have the Bentley speed, which is its own series, right? You have like GT, you have um, something like Sperling, I think is the other one. I'm butchering it, but listen, my eyes are set on the, the Bentley speed. So <clears throat> Uh, part of the process was looking up the kind of car I wanted, but also looking at the price and then figuring out how to count backwards and say, what is it going to take for me to, to make that much? And what is it going to take for me to either um, give that much in sales or services to get that Bentley in my garage? And 
the baby part of me, the, the inner child part of me, I'm going through and I'm looking at it. And it's one of those things where you get to that moment where you realize that a lot of people say things and they say they want things, but they don't even know what it takes to get there or what they want. Um, and, and they have no intention, right, about getting there because I've had these conversations with family, friends, people in black. Oh, yeah, I want the Bentley. I want the Lamborghini. I want the Maserati. Okay, how much does it cost? Mm-hmm. That means you have no intention of ever getting it. You never um, put in the work to find out what it would cost and what the work is that you're going to have to do to get it. And so one of the most, I still remember what the difference between me just looking at the pictures and saying I want a Bentley and looking at the videos and everything to the moment that I went to the dealership and type in and see how much it cost. Okay. And I'm like, whoa, that cost, I would be parking that car in my house and it would cost just as much or more than my house. And I just love that. I mean, I was walking around like, maybe not the best news, but it was just, it fascinated me. And every time I would sit there, I'd be like, that car that I want, it's going to cost more than my house. Like, that's, I'm going to park that car in a house. And so what I didn't realize at the moment is I was starting to manifest. And the bigger that you manifest things, you have to allow the the portal to bring those things to you. So that means that I have to generate goods and services to, to allow that portal of wealth to come in for me to get the Bentley. And I think sometimes people don't really realize they will want to manifest a Bentley and be so frustrated that it's not on their front door. And so the bigger that you, the things that are that you want to manifest, the more it has to take time because the divine source is orchestrating everything around you to make those things happen. The Bentley that I'm going to drive and I look forward to it. It's not going to be now. It's not going to be next month, but I will, as long as, as you know, divine source gives me the breath, right? I will take a picture and put it in the thumbnail of when I buy my Bentley to share it with you. And you will see that all of the things I had to go through, right? Um, and divine source, the, what I'm saying is the, the Bentley that I'm going to put on that thumbnail all of the pieces and the energy and the labor and the factory, all of those things are coming together, right? People are being hired and fired and developing skills and procuring the leather and, you know, working with the alloy metals and all of that stuff for the exact moment in time that it's going to be put on a a bed of a car bed and driven to the, to the exact location where I'm going to drive to and ask for a black on black Bentley with whatever stitching and with whatever just for me just for me it is quite possible between now and the time that I get my next property that it hasn't even been built yet it's quite possible I'm not sure that I will upload a picture of my of my, uh, my house just because I you know I've heard really bad things about people 
you know, like getting doxxed and that type of thing. So, but, um, it, it's, I love the idea that it quite possibly hasn't been built yet. And it's going to have exactly the views that I want, the patios that I want, the pool that I want, the closet that I want, the hardwood floors that I want. But even then, there is some family somewhere that, you know, is taking care of the property that I want and, um, you know, everything is being orchestrated from the real estate agent that I'm going to be contacting and, and you know, what it takes for me to get there. And that means that in the meantime, I had to get into alignment. It is so bizarre to me how I even came across this path. But when I tell you I was actively searching for what was searching for me, I've always known that you know, very much business oriented. And it was sometimes you have course corrections, right? And so the path that I was heading on with the real estate investment, yes, it was going to generate income. But another story that I'll just go ahead and share with you here too, is I used to, I was fine. I was licensed as a financial advisor in insurance. I had just gotten my license and I got licensed in 25 other States. And, um, Part of the process is you have to get um, the go through the getting the insurance process for yourself. And I remember, you know, just sometimes how you deal with other people too. And this is a dream that is mine, and some other people might not understand it. But I, um, the broker was was overseeing the person who was um, going through the process with me, and so we go through the finances, expenses, and lifestyle. And then he's like, "Well, how much would you want to make? Per, you know, live, retire off of per year? When you retire, how much do you want a year to that you would feel you live comfortably?" And so me at the moment, I said a million dollars, and you could see he was kind of like, excuse me, annoyed. But I kind of knew it's kind of so weird, but it was something in, and I've always had this type of fire burning determination. One of the things I think I was trying to get across in, a, in another podcast is at this point, I know that I am slow and steady, but I won the race. There were people that I went to school with that were smarter than me that never completed their bachelor's or their master's or went into higher education or just didn't make it in life. Kid you not. And one of them was like, their dad was one of the VPs. I went to school with several VPs, several business owners. Some of them, like, if I were to tell you, like, you guys know, like, I went, uh, one of them, I will say this, one of them owned a um, candy factory when I was in the first grade. And I went with, to school with her all the way through. That was the first time I went to somebody's house and it was a mansion, right? Um, when she had her wedding, they decorated the whole church with flowers. It was like, if they said it was like $100,000 worth of flowers, it might have been, in our estimation, it could have been more. Um, but in the first grade, we went to the, the candy factory. And at this point, they're multimillionaires. Um, and should I say it? I don't think that they still have the contract with them. I don't think you'd be able to like hunt it down. But they were, um, they actually they sell like different kinds of candy in that factory. So they showed us how they made the M&Ms and like the Skittles. I don't know that Skittles were around that time, but I definitely remember the M&Ms. And I remember I tasted an M&M without the, the color coating on it. And I thought it was gross, but so I have a, a weird thing for M&Ms to this day, but 
one of the 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 um, famous Amos had just come out around that time, and they were selling famous Amos. And of course, you know it's it's a black guy selling cookies. So my mom, we absolutely loved that. We would always be buying famous Amos cookies, but it was come out of her factory, type of a thing. So, um, but one of the guys I went to school with was, um, so I said, yeah, I've gone to school with like the the kids, their you know the parents were presidents of things like worldwide global president type of thing like and um another one was a vp and um yeah this guy it's just unfortunate he just never he didn't like never even went on to get married like low performing just you know so i say all of that to say i started to understand in life that i i not i, I will say this and it's not even to disparage myself I have a little tinge of dyslexia too. So it's some things are a little bit harder for me to understand. And that's why I pay attention to when, when people are dealing with, with their kids. If I talk to them, I kind of know what to look for. But sometimes you think that because I'm quiet and I was shy, that I'm well behaved. And so I don't need the information a certain way. And so um, it would affect my academics. But I, I really struggle to get um, information, but I know if I stick to it and I commit to it and I, I've learned how to master that, um, I can make it. So I was that type of person where still some level of frustration where, um, you know, my classmates would finish their BA in four years, three years, three and four years. And it took me. Um, it took me five years to complete a four-year degree, and it took me five years to complete my master's. Granted, I was taking one class per per um, quarter, one or two, um, and then um, I was also working full-time, and sometimes I was working two jobs. So, But I think it was like around the time, I, like my master's, I started to realize like, wow, you know, it's slow and steady wins the race, and so... With the course correction, you know, it's starting to understand and appreciate, like, I'm not going to get there. I think, to be quite honest, from some of the other stories and people I've heard in my circles, they are able to get to millionaire status in three years. But um, for me, it will take me, it's taking me just a little bit longer. And some of it is course correction and some of it has to do with alignment. And so I knew I was on the right track. And I, and the, the, when I was talking about how I told the broker I was looking to make a million dollars a year in retirement. So I knew that I had time until I retired to build my wealth up to a million but to him it's like it's never really been seen before or the people that he has dealt with that actually and it's funny because I could have sent him people but he he and I didn't end on good terms but um the people in my circle they do that they're making that now right it went from being an oddity to being an everyday type of thing and you know they're in my inboxes and they're in my groups and I talk to them and I see them and I engage with them right and so um he just like I'll still I still remember he was just kind of like oh that's just you're being impossible and so when you talk about the path I was on with the real estate transaction was it going to generate me money yes but 
I was asking, and that's why when I talk about with the relationships with divine masculine or with your partner, that's the space that I'm coming out of too, because it's funny how I'm trying to explain to you, like I've lived this, you need to understand this. You are asking for a divine masculine who loves you, who cares you, who's present in your life, who's a protector and a provider and ambitious and a leader and can be a husband and a father. And um, you're holding on so tight to this person who's ghosting and orbiting you and causing you to have teardrops on your pillow and doesn't see your value and is kind of a little bit low performance and uncertain about whether he wants to be with you and what's going on with his life. And it's like divine sources, like, I thought you said you wanted a divine masculine. I thought you said you wanted at least a million dollars a year. And it's like, yeah, I do, I do, I do. And so it's like tower moment. Well, doing the real estate the way you have it in your mind is not going to work. So let me remove that from off your plate and put you course corrected on the right. And I'm like, all I know is my butt hurts because the rug has been pulled out from under me. And it's like forcing me to realign my sights and rethink how I do things. And, and now I'm in alignment, right? Now I can I can hit my goals even more reasonably, actually quicker than if I had gone the other route. And so, but the cool thing is I'm going to be in that lane, but also still be able to dabble with real estate. Because even age-wise, at that age, I think that I would have gone into the real estate and the way that I was living at that point too, oh, I wasn't going to try to further develop myself or become a conscious being. No. And this is around the time I had met both of my exes, right? So they were doing their thing and I was big balling out of control, baby. Like, okay. Um, and so that course correction came in because I was at that point just really ready, ready to just start collecting the paychecks. And I wasn't going to pay attention to you know, I think you have to get into a lifestyle where you're always looking for passive streams of income or income. Some people, and again, it has to do with my North node. I know in previous podcasts, I've been saying South node. It's my North node. <laughs> I did a reading this morning and I was reminded it's North node. My North node is in Virgo and my rising is in Virgo. So very much about money and wealth. So if divine source saw that I'm going to be lackadaisical and be like, oh, I'm just collecting paychecks and I'm finna spend it. I'm about to blow it. Da, da, da. It's like divine source is like, okay, um, one, you're not going to make, you know, I can show you a quicker, better way for you to make, to get there, you know? Um, and the funny thing is if I had, cause by this point, I probably should have had like 12, um, complexes even more. Cause it was the way I had it set up is it, I was supposed to get four every year. Um, and then every four was supposed to generate four. So in two years, when I have eight, I should have gotten another eight the third year because uh, that's how I was going to structure it. You know, kind of along those those lines. But what it protected me from too was the pen. I just realized that, you know, I don't think I would have, but, you know, I want to trust the process. I would have been hit hard at that young age with that mentality, with the pandemic and some of the things that we're going through now, like for my parents and with their tenants, it would have really hit me hard. But now 
with the course correction right in the time that they're doing their stuff and I'm on the verge of looking at real estate transactions for myself and for, you know, for rental properties, I'm getting the curriculum of how to deal with it, how important contract law is, always staying in the line of abundance. Because I think some people get triggered like, well, why are you always chasing money? Uh, the money is is what comes with the territory, but you have to to, to keep your mind active and continue to be of service. And, and the more that I can generate income, the more I can help other people. I know I've been talking a lot about don't help this person, don't help that person. But bear in mind it's so that I can help young people, young interns, position them into different things. You know, there's going to be ways I can help people in real estate, but, but yeah. So I hope that this one is really nice. I'm going to keep this one. I would, probably put a star on this one and share it with my niece, you know, when she gets a little bit older, but, and it, you know, I will keep it. I know some people probably would like to stay in the 30 minute range. I will gauge it and see how receptive people are to the longer um, podcast, but it probably could be a little bit of a standalone, but I don't even know what I would label it. I don't even, cause it, it's more talking about, you know, there's gems in there about manifesting, right? I manifested the Bentley and I wasn't going to make it on the salary I was with and the strategies I had in mind, but divine source is orchestrating and putting me in alignment to give me what I asked for, (laughs) to give me what I asked for. And I'm so grateful in spite of everything. So I hope that um, this has been an inspiration to you. I hope that you revisit what it means to manifest. And um, I think if I didn't mention it before in a a previous podcast, but I'll mention it here now because I think it's appropriate. Last night before I fell asleep, um, I came across a quote that, or it was like a little meme thing with two little people, two people on there. And um, it was talking about the difference between the, the, rich and the poor and it said the poor all they see are obstacles and the rich all they see are opportunities and the spirit of gratitude is going to help you understand how to leverage the obstacles and how they were really set in place for you to overcome them right when I would get knocked down, especially with the pandemic, it's like I was supposed to be licensed in real estate and insurance and starting to get my clients and that got shut down. And in that quiet time is when I started to learn about trading. And in learning how to do trading, I came across a young lady that taught me how I'm making the passive income now. Right now, I'm living off of interest only. I'm living off of only interest and because of the laws of compound interest and the way that I have set things up, I don't ever have to work for anyone else again. That money's just going to do nothing but stack up, right? Um, but that's so cool. It forced us to look into trading. I got into trading with my dad and then came across this person and she put me on track in uh, this whole new world of passive income. And the laws of compounding interest, which is all that I would have wanted in the first place. But now I'm walking in my path, right? I'm sharing my message. I'm inviting you to be 
to grow in your consciousness and in your in your wealth and in your finances and that you can do it and that you can overcome these obstacles. I wouldn't have been doing this back then, the first time, the first round. But this is more in alignment. I'm making a difference. I'm living in a life of purpose and I'm still getting the, the, the passive income. Right. So it has been my pleasure. I am your baby Oracle. Until the next podcast, please be blessed.